God, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks that we could gather uh, as a church. And right now, Lord, we're gonna open up your word to Psalm chapter four. And I just wanna pray right now, Lord, that um, your spirit would prepare our hearts for what Psalm 4 has to say to us this morning. Lord, I know there are people here, people listening. Specifically, Lord, I know that there are people here who are in a place where they're struggling. They're struggling to see how you're good in their life. They're struggling to understand why certain things have occurred in their life. And they're really wondering, God, is is it worth following you? Are you really good? Do you really keep your promises? My prayer, God, this morning is that you would very gently minister to them this morning through your word. We trust that you'll do that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as I said, we'll be in Psalm 4 this morning. Um, and uh, on a quick note, sorry for the like really bad print job on your bulletins. Um, my sermon notes have the same bad print job, and I can barely read part of it. So we'll just see how it goes um, and get our printer fixed this week uh, as well. But Psalm chapter 4, go ahead and open to that. As you know, through the summer, we've just been going through the Psalms. We started in Psalm 1, and we're in Psalm 4. We'll be in Psalm 5 next week. Um, We're going to jump right into it. There's one verse in Psalm 4. It's verse 5. I'll read it in just a second. Verse 5 that I want us to really make sure we understand what God is saying because I also think we could misunderstand this. And if we don't understand what this verse is saying, I think it throws the whole psalm off. So we're just going to spend some time on verse 5. If you were here last week, Psalm chapter 3 is connected to a particular episode in David's life. So David wrote Psalm 3 and he wrote Psalm 4. And in Psalm 3, David wrote this prayer because his son Absalom was staging a coup against him and his kingship and running him out of town. And David was writing to God. He was writing this prayer, lamenting this. And so most scholars think Psalm 4 is also connected to the same episode, although it doesn't tell us that explicitly. But I think you'll notice there's going to be some similar themes. Psalm 3, Psalm 4, yes, Psalm 5, Psalm 6. It's a grouping of psalms that really are psalms of lament. They're the, the David, in this case, going before the Lord and, and asking God, why? Why are these things happening? And so as we work through these, we're really seeing what does it mean or how do we respond when things are just really hard? And that's what we see here in the Psalms. We're going to see that in Psalm 4 as well. Same thing. What do I do in the midst of really hard struggle? How, how do I trust God in the midst of that? I think that's what we're going to be, that's we're going to see in Psalm chapter 4. But I want to read verse 5 first. So let, let me just go there. Verse 5, Psalm 4, says this. Don't worry about the context. I'll get there in a second. But verse 5 says, Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. 
It's almost a command that David is giving himself in the midst of the prayer. And we'll understand in a second when we go through the whole psalm why it's there. But I just, I just want to stop there at verse 5 for a moment and ask, what does he mean by offer right sacrifices? When you think of God, when you think of what does it mean to please God, what does it mean to appease him, what does God want from me? What are some of the things that come to your mind? Like if you're, or if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're not sure if you believe in Jesus or not, you're exploring that. When you think of God, if there is a God, and what God wants from us, the kinds of things that God wants us to do, when you see a command like that, offer right sacrifices, what are the things that come to mind? You might think of things like, well, I don't know, I, I, I'm guessing he wants us to go to church, like do the religious gathering thing. I'm guessing that God wants us to read the Bible and, and know this. I'm guessing God wants us to make sure we follow the rules, right? I mean, it, it was funny, uh, my son's baseball team, there are a few dads that I would hang out with on his team and, uh, you know, during the games and tournaments and stuff. And uh, it was a few weeks in that they, got, they found out that I was a pastor. And they, all of a sudden, it was like dread came over their face. Because they're like, what have I said to you? Like, I've cussed in front of you. I've had a beer in front of you. Like, I mean, like things like that. And so they're just kind of replaying all of the things because they now know my pastor. And I asked them, I was like, why is that? What's, what's going on with you that you all of a sudden feel like you now have penance to pay because you've done some things in front of me? And I think it showed in them this, this view of God, like God in his presence wants me to live and act and be a certain way, whether that's how I want to live, act, and be or not. In the Old Testament times, and uh, for the Jews, I think if they read that, they would read things like, well, God wants us to go to temple. He wants us to offer actual sacrifices according to the law. He wants us to memorize the Torah, take Sabbath. If your guy gets circumcised, you know, he wants us to do all of the things that we're supposed to do. I think those are the things that come to mind. But here's what I want you to see this morning. This is why we're going to take time on verse 5. We've got to get it right. Is the Bible overwhelmingly says, and, and actually more so in the Old Testament than the New, the Bible overwhelmingly says that God is not interested in just merely our behavior. That, that God is not interested in meaningless manipulative religious exercises. That, that God is not interested at all in being some genie in a lamp and we figure out the religious formula to appease him and then we somehow unlock his favor and blessings in our life. That kind of thing. Actually, I'm gonna read some text for you. The Bible says makes God want to vomit because God's not interested in just merely our religious expression God wants us. He wants our hearts. He wants our affections. He wants us to love him and trust him. Right? Let me give you a few examples. I mean, I, I could probably go too long on this. I mean, there's tons in Scripture. 1 Samuel 15 is a good example. Uh, this is about Saul. 
who was the king before David. And Saul was given very specific instructions from God in a particular battle he was fighting against the Amalekites. And Saul did not follow those instructions. Um, And when Samuel confronts him on it, the prophet, Saul goes, well, it's okay. We'll offer sacrifices to God. You know, we'll do the things that God wants us to do. We'll make him happy, and then this will all go away. And this is God's response through Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. God said, I don't want your burnt animals. I want you. I want your trust. I want, I want your heart. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is that what God wants? Just straight, give him stuff to pay for it. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? God says, no, I want you. I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me. I want you to to take seriously the things that I care about. We see that again, even stronger language. Isaiah chapter 1, where God says, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of well-fed beasts. I don't delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. Strong language. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. That's strong. What's God saying? God's saying, wait, 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 hold on. I'm a merciful God. I have drawn near to you. I've made a way for you to be redeemed and have your sins forgiven. And, and yet, of all the mercy I've shown you, as you look to those who are oppressed, there's no mercy in your heart. I, I don't want your songs and prayers and church gatherings. I, I want you and your heart. I want your trust, and I want you to follow me. You guys get it? See, there's a theme. I could, we could go for a while. I'm going to give you one more, and then I'll, I'll be done, and we'll, we'll move on. This is from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does my Father's will, the will of my Father who is in heaven, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And 
then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. That's, that's strong. That's from Jesus. But, but what is he saying? He's saying, I never had your heart. Sure, you did all the religious things, but I didn't have you. You didn't trust me with your life. What does it mean to offer right sacrifices? What does God want? And I think the Bible is clear that God wants us to trust him like a father. He wants our trust. And that says that in verse five. Did you see that again? In verse five, where it says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And when we trust the Lord, it comes with a certain kind of obedience. Trust in the Lord comes with a certain kind of obedience, not a rote obedience, not a religiously manipulative obedience from trying to get God to do the things that I want him to do. No, it's, it's a kind of obedience that comes from trust. Like, okay, God says this. I'm having a hard time with it, but I, I trust him. I trust that he's good. I trust that he's right. I trust that he's leading me to joy and to goodness. And so because I trust him, because he has all of me, I'm going to Follow him. And Psalm 4 is going to be a demonstration to us of what it means to trust God, to offer these kind of sacrifices, even in the midst of really hard circumstances that you just don't understand. That's where David's going to take us. So we hit verse 5. We've got to think a little deeper about it. Let's go to the beginning of the psalm, all right? Let's go to the beginning, and let's see what David is saying. So I want to start verses 1 to 3. We're going to study the psalm in three sections and move through it. But let's start at verse 1. Psalm chapter 4, verse 1 says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Oh men, how, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Now, in verses 1 to 3, what we get here is this really honest collision between what David believes deeply and also what he is struggling with. On one hand, David trusts God and sees God as someone who is good and who is right and leading him to life and someone that hears him when he prays to him. And so we see that in verse 4. In verse 1, he says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David knows that he is able to go to the Lord in prayer, not because he's earned that with his righteousness, but because God has given him his righteousness. If you continue, he says, be gracious to me. Hear my prayer. He knows that the Lord is gracious. Verse 3, he says that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. 
and that the Lord hears him when he calls to him. So David knows that God is there and is listening to him. And at the very same time, David cries out, God, how long? This is why most scholars think that this uh, psalm is connected to the same incident as Psalm 3 with Absalom, David's son, staging a coup against him. And there's these lies that are going around Jerusalem and people are believing the lies and no longer trusting David as king. And so David's, God, how long is this going to go on? How long are the lies going to continue to be told about me? How long am I going to suffer in the way that I'm suffering right now? And what I love about these three verses right here is that what we see is that feeling the how long Feeling the anger, feeling the frustration, feeling the hurt, feeling the angst does not mean we don't trust God. And some of us have this belief about God that when I feel certain emotions, that that might actually mean I don't trust or follow or love God. But right here, we see a collision of the bow. David trusts in the Lord. He knows that he answers when he calls, and he's got a question. God, how long? And I'm curious for you, what is your how long this morning? Well, what is the thing right now that when you pray to God, you're going, God, how long is this going to go on? How long is that person going to be this way? How long is my life going to be like this? David continues in verse four. Verses four and five, he says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So David, right here, now he begins in the midst of his crying out to the Lord, he begins to preach to himself a little bit here, right? Be angry, but do not sin. You might know that from Ephesians 4.26. Paul quotes the same thing from here, Psalm 4. He says the same thing, be angry and do not sin. And and that begs the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be angry and and not sin? What's the difference between anger with sin and, and anger without sin? Well, I can tell you right now, what's clear in the text is that anger within itself, feeling anger is not sin. How many of you can control when you feel anger or you don't feel anger? How many of you can control your bodies, right? When all of that, I don't know, whatever that hormone is, it just gets put into your bloodstream and everything starts to tense up and your heart rate goes up and your blood pressure goes up and you're tense. How many of you can control that? Nobody. It's not sin to be angry. But what does it mean to be angry and not sin. Might it be the practice of slowing down and being aware of what's going on inside? I mean, we see that right there in verse four where he says, ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Might it be to, to slow down and, and ask a few questions about it? You know, at our church at Grace Hill, We like to talk about our ministry philosophy. 
uh, like a, like we, we usually describe it like a triangle. I think I have it up here for you in a second, if it'll pop up. There it is. We like to describe our ministry philosophy like a, like a triangle. Or maybe think of it like a, a, a three-legged stool, where each leg is indispensable. And so, of course, at the top, it, we, we want to be a church that seeks to know God and know his word and follow God and love God and trust God in everything that we do. And at the bottom left here, that we want to be a church that knows one another and seeks to help each other follow Jesus because the Bible knows nothing of following Jesus alone. But we also want to be a place where we are seeking to know ourselves, meaning we want to know where is Jesus seeking to heal and transform me? Where does Jesus want to enter into the hardest places of my life? or the most stubborn places of my life, or the most sinful places of my life, or the most traumatic places of my life, and, and bring healing and redemption and transformation. And it's really easy to be a church, right, that does the top part, know God, and this bottom left part, know one another, but it's different to try and engage this. To, let's try and know ourselves. What's going on inside? What is the Lord trying to do? Why is there anger right there? What's going on inside of me? And I think what it means to be angry and not sin and to ponder and to figure out what's going on, verse 5, means that in that moment we offer right sacrifices, verse 5, and put our trust in the Lord. So, so what does that mean in this place? What, is, what does that mean to offer right sacrifices? Well, before I answer that, practically, I, I want to read verses 6 to 8. But I first just want you to notice, again, that the answer to our anger, the answer to our how long, O Lord, is not to suppress or ignore it or to hide it because it's something to be ashamed about. I want you to see that the answer is not, no, 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 you can't show anger because if you show anger, that means you don't trust God. The Bible does not say that. It says the answer is to express it. Ponder. Spiritual maturity is not the absence of feeling how long. It's the acknowledgement of it. David goes on in verse six to eight. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Oh, keep the slide there on verse six for me for just a second. There's a little bit of debate on when the close quote comes, right? There are many who say, quote, who will show us some good? Some of your Bibles probably close quote it right there. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. It doesn't really matter. Um, Verse 6, David is pondering about the people who are saying, kind of questioning God's goodness, questioning if God is really there. Hey, who's actually going to show us some good? But he continues in his reflection in verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound where David is saying, there are people who question God's goodness and if there really is joy in the Lord, but my experience says that God offers my soul a joy that no amount of grain, no amount of wine, no amount of money or worldly things could ever match. 
And so this is what David's doing here. In the midst of the scoffing of other people, he's remembering the goodness of God in the midst of his struggle. Verse 8, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. What does it mean to offer a right sacrifice to God when we're angry, frustrated, or when we feel the how long? How long, God, is this going to keep on going? Well, David is trying to help us to see that what it doesn't mean is just ramp up the religious activity because maybe you'll unlock God's favor upon you or some blessing out there. The Bible doesn't know anything of that either. What does it mean to trust God, to give God all of ourselves in the midst of the struggle? I'll give you an example. <laughs> I was debating sharing this with you, but we're all family. You know, we've been a church, a mobile church, for the last six years. Loading in and out of schools, many of you help with that. We've moved all different kinds of times. We get kicked out for the summers. You know, this is not where we normally meet. We normally meet somewhere else. And so we've been doing it for six years. We've been so grateful for the Lord's provision. But there's a part of me that's like, how long, oh God, are we going to do this? I want a building. Just being straight, being honest with you, right? And I know, it's like our church, we're saving our money, we're trusting the Lord, we're waiting for the good and right opportunity. Many of you have been so generous towards that end. And so we just have this, how long, oh Lord? Well, there's a church property that shares a property line with this school that recently went on the market. Now, it went on the market way above what we could afford, but we found out that a Christian school was gonna buy it and they needed a church partner to go in with them. And I'm like, Lord, yes, this is what we need as a church, right? We need a partner, we'll go in, it'll be great. Did some networking, found my way to the head of that school. Praying, 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 Lord, we pray for this, we pray for this, it'd be great, it'd be awesome, it's right here in Hernan's in the midst of everything. I can see it, right? I can see the vision of how awesome it's going to be, and then you find out, oh, Okay, a, a larger church is going to put a campus there. Ugh. How long, Lord? And then I'm like, okay, it's a but okay, it's a solid church and I know the pastors there and they're great people and I love them and they're preaching a sound gospel and that is going to be amazing for the town of Hernan, so I'm 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 so happy about it. But God, we were here first. <laughs> How long? And sometimes the things of the world, right, which could be like a building, that grain, that wine just sounds right. It makes sense in my head. God, can't you see how this would fit beautifully in your will? I don't understand why this wouldn't come our way. It all lines up. And so it's right here in this moment, in the how long, God, in the frustration of it, in the anger of it, and the angst and all the questions, it's right here where we're tempted to begin to believe that maybe there, maybe God isn't good. Maybe he doesn't hear our prayers. Maybe he's not there when I call. 
maybe the folks who don't believe in him are right, that there's no goodness in the Lord. And it's, it's in that moment that God says, that's what I want. That's the sacrifice I want. Right there, give that to me. I want that. Trust me in the midst of that. Trust me when you're wondering if I'm good. Trust me when you're wondering how long. That's the sacrifice that I want. Give it to me. And that's hard to give to God in that moment. Because in that moment, we're getting to a place where we're like, God, I don't know, I just think I want to take control of it. And I don't know if I can trust you with it. And God's saying, that's the sacrifice that I want. In the midst of your anger and angst, offer it to God by entrusting God with it, knowing that he is going to provide way more joy than any amount of grain or wine or church buildings this world could throw our way. What does it look like to entrust God in that moment? Well, I think you got to be honest with God. All right, I had a little tantrum with God, but I think we need to do that because that was what was in me. But I also needed to be reminded of truth. What does God's word have to say about this? Let me go to other people that I trust and love and who I know love me, right? So I went and had a little tantrum with Evan too. And he prayed. And we talked. Because in that moment, we're going to need help to trust God to offer that sacrifice. What is your how long? God, how long am I going to be single? I can see how good it would be. I can see how good it would be to not have the loneliness. I can see how good it would be to have someone to live life with. Like, God, isn't that good? Wouldn't that fit perfectly in your will? How long? I mean, that's serious right there. That's not trite. I mean, it's in that moment where you're like, I don't know, is he good? Does he want what's best for me? Can I trust him in this? It's right there. God's like, yeah, I want that. Give that to me. And trust me that I will bring more joy than what you can envision is good. And that's stepping out in faith right there. Right, you can't see that. That's stepping in faith. God, how long is this conflict with people in my family going to persist? How long? I mean, I'm doing my best to be kind and understanding. But I, the attacks keep coming. You know, I, at our men's breakfast a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about um, something in particular. And I, I said, hey, I want in this room... If you have drama with your extended family, raise your hand. Every guy raise their hand. How long? And it's in that moment that God's like, I want you to trust me. What is your how long this morning?
It is not spiritually immature to go have your tantrum with the Lord. (laughs) To go pray like the psalmist prayed. And ask God, God, how long? Because in that, we're offering a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord, which is all of us. God, you, I want to trust you in this. Help me trust. Go to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Tell them your how long. Tell them the frustration. Express the anger. Let them encourage, exhort, lead, guide, pray for you. Terry read for us from Psalm 51 in our call to worship. Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What does God want from us? He wants our hearts. All of it, not just the dressed up parts. I can imagine that if you're here or listening and you don't know Christ or you're not sure if you believe in him, I can imagine that you're thinking, wow, that's a lot. Like, that's asking for a lot. That's giving up a lot of control. That's putting a lot on a God that you can't see. I, I get that. And Yes, that's what God asks for. And, and we see him as that glorious, that he's worthy of it. And we also see him as one who is trustworthy with it. And I'm just wondering, if you did that work of getting to know yourself more and to figure out what's going on inside of you, I, I, I bet you would come to a place of figuring out that, you know what? Yeah, the grain and wine of this world, it isn't as good as it looks. As much as we all long for it, it it doesn't satisfy the soul because God is your creator and God has designed you to be satisfied by him. And he is offering that to you and to all of us this morning and it comes only through Jesus. And so if you're not a follower of Christ, I encourage you, explore what it means to follow Jesus. You don't have to come up with any conclusions right now. You don't have to make any decisions. Just explore. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Hang out here. Ask your questions. And just see, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because I promise you, there is more joy and stability and rest for your soul. Sleep for your soul, verse 8, in Jesus than anything this world can provide. And that is the truth for every single one of us in here. In the midst of our how long, when we are most tempted to think maybe he's not good, that is the very place that God wants us to offer our sacrifice and trust that he brings more joy than anything that this world could offer. I wanna pray right now that all of us would, one, be aware of where we're feeling the how long, and two, that God would give us the strength to offer that to him. Let's pray. Father,
as I prayed in the beginning, I'm, I'm not sure of all of the how longs that exist in this room, but I know there are many. And Lord, I just pray very, that you would, in a very gentle way, would help your people come to you, be honest about what is going on in them, where they're struggling to trust you, where they're struggling to have faith in you. And that, God, you would lead them to offer all of that to you and to trust you in the very place where they're tempted to throw in the towel. And I pray in that place, God, that you would meet them with a peace that surpasses understanding. I pray, God, that you would meet them with sleep, that their soul would be able to rest and they would be able to go to sleep knowing that you are looking after them. I pray, God, that they would have brothers and sisters here in the church who would be there to encourage and exhort and lift up. Pray, God, that you would prove yourself to be faithful in the very places that we're most tempted to not trust you. Help us with that, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.